What's going on, everybody? It's Kyle Bennett from Underground Sports Philadelphia. Outside the Box has become such a huge success, we're giving it its own podcast feed. You guys have come out in droves and made this thing such a huge project for us. It's unbelievable. So, Outside the Box is moving to its own individual podcast feed starting in October. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at OTBLaxPod to know when that pod feed goes live so you can subscribe there. You don't miss a single beat of what Herm and I are bringing. You don't miss any guests. And uh, you can always drop those five-star ratings and reviews to uh, pump the pod feed up and uh, make it an even bigger success as we head into year two of lacrosse coverage right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. So yes, the month of October, outside the box, its own podcast feed. Get hype. We'll see you guys soon. Let's get into the episode. Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody we are live with underground sports philadelphia episode number 173 kyle bennett matt castorina live from underground studios if our sign falls don't be alarmed uh as always show brought to you by main auto llc Ducharms pro foot security 21 wainwright bernhardt funeral home paul j gillespie incorporated bob novick automall mark ronchetti cpa llc and the dental wellness center of vineland what's going on matt Living the dream, you know? Shout out to everybody that uh, sent back the positive reviews after uh, Wednesday night's State of the Flyers address. Uh, one of the members of the complacency court was left behind. Yeah. And uh, got some uh, some good ratings and reviews on that show, so shout out to everybody that supported uh, Will coming through. But Eagles game tomorrow, Matt, and no kiss of death for the Eagles as Sam Darnold was not cleared. He will be out, so it will be Luke Falk. And the Eagles are 14.5-point favorites. Which is great. Um, <laughs> still, though, I, I think the, the biggest worry is the Eagles have the worst secondary in the league still. Yes. <laughs> um, Three guys in the secondary tomorrow were not on the roster 11 days ago. Which is great. You always love to see that. Um, this should be a win, though. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I think even with uh, the secondary issues, even if Sam Darnold was playing, I, I think you should be beating this Jets team. I just I, I don't think they're all that good. Um, good for Darnold, though, for, like, not risking his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this quote this week. He's like, yeah, I just, like, don't want to die. Yeah. So, <laughs> And I don't I don't blame him. <laughs> good for him for, for taking that. Because apparently the Jets got him extra, like, security and padding for his yeah. already existing pads that he wears uh, to protect his spleen. And he was like, you know, I want to be good to go out there, but I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah. Don't blame you. Like. I thought if Darnold played, I thought it would have been beyond malpractice of the Jets to throw him out there because one hit there, he's done. Especially as like your young, you know, franchise yeah. quarterback. At least that's what they're. We assume they're operating under. Like he, not risking it. So yeah, it's it's a a big 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 game because you know you look at uh, just kind of the rest of of the NFC, especially at that crazy matchup with uh, the Seahawks and Rams. Seahawks looking like they could be the team to beat in the NFC. You want to keep some pace here and get the season kind of back on track and rolling. And it feels weird. It's almost like uh, coming off a bye week just because of that Mm -hmm. that Thursday night game. You get an extra three days, four days of rest. So, yeah, it feels like we haven't seen the Eagles play in a while. That's because they haven't. (laughs) But for a team that was um, getting plagued by injuries so much this season, I I think those 10 days could be really, really crucial. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see them play again. So no Ronald Darby this week. This is from the Eagles injury report as of yesterday. Uh, Alex Ellis was ruled out, but then he was waived uh, to make room for the newest corner on the Eagles roster. No Deshaun Jackson, no Tim Jernigan, but Tim Jernigan posted a video on his Instagram story this week that he is out of his walking boot, so that's a good sign. Uh, And, of course, no Avante Maddox after the concussion and neck injury that he suffered on Thursday. 
Sidney Jones is questionable with his hamstring. Uh, Jason Peters, good to go with his knee injury. Derek Barnett had a groin injury he was dealing with this week. He is good to go. And obviously, Jason Kelsey, congratulations on the birth of your baby. Uh, He is also good to go because he missed practice for non-injury reasons. Good reason. Yeah. Um, Will the Eagles cover that 14.5 point? I don't think so because I I think – Eagles defense, like we just have to be honest, is pretty leaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, every game has been a shootout this year, pretty much. Actually, not even pretty much. It has been a yeah. shootout every game this year. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would. Fourteen and a half is quite the spread to cover. The Jets aren't—they're not good, but I, I don't yeah. know. That's like a Dolphins, uh, you know, spread there, and I, I think that's that's a little harsh. They, they still do have some talent, but yeah, I I wouldn't bet on it personally. But they could. That's you know, over two touchdown lead, but. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're going to see. Hopefully, this team open up a little bit, get the scoring mm-hmm. going again, as, as we've seen all this season. That really hasn't been the worry. I would I would really like to see, especially since I own the Eagles defense and two of my fantasy yes. leagues. <laughs> like to see some sacks. That'd be good. Maybe a couple some turnovers. I'd love a pick six. That'd be great. But yeah, I think you know, again, even at full health, I think we should be beating the Jets, mm-hmm. and especially consider us coming off rest like we are. Feel good about this game. No Deshaun Jackson, which is kind of hoping. It feels like every week that he's not playing, you get a little more worried. Like yeah. this seems like it's taking a little long um, with the, with this injury issue. But Granted, they said it was a two to four week thing, so this is. I know, but it's just you know like this is week four. When you when you start getting on like the end spectrum mm-hmm. of like the uh, the timetable, that's when you're like, all right, like let's get it up, <laughs> let's get him back because I think we do miss Deshaun quite a bit. Absolutely, he does give us that extra dimension. Um, so. I'm pumped. We are uh, excited. Obviously, Eagles enemies went out today with a friend of the show, Michael Nania, from the Cool Your Jets podcast. So you can check that out uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts to leave five-star ratings and reviews. Um, but I was like, even with Luke Falk in this game at quarterback and the Jets' offensive line not being as good as a lot of people expected it to be, you still have to worry about Le'Veon Bell. The stats might not show that Le'Veon's off to a good start to the season, hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game yet this year, but it's still Le'Veon Bell, and he's still got that vision that not many running backs have, still attacks the line of scrimmage the way that he has his entire career. And that's one thing that kind of concerns me in this game is because of how multidimensional he can be and just the lack of pressure we've gotten from our defensive line. Yeah, I mean, the defensive line, too, was... One of the areas he would have said we were the strongest in coming mm-hmm. in the season, and haven't really seen that um, at all. <laughs> it's uh, that's a little concerning. And Le'Veon Bell was saying this week too that you know, since he took all of last year off, that you know he's fine with taking a huge volume and huge workload. And I think you'll see some of that. Uh, unfortunately, you know it's just as you know if you, you can't really run the ball when you're exactly. uh, when you're behind, and that's that's just where the Jets have been so much this season. The only time that you've seen them have a really great game like a more levy on bell last game was uh, against the bills when they were leading mm-hmm. for almost all of it so um yeah i think that's if, if you're able to get out on, on a good lead against the jets you know i, I think you do neutralize some of Le'Veon's effectiveness and, and that volume but that's a major weakness of the eagles this year so far especially is the first quarter and even really the first half as a whole has just been very bleak offensively so you know, I think two things to, to hope for is that, you know, we can score some points in the first quarter. That would be exactly. that would be nice. And I, I think you also have to be hoping that limit as much of the, the air attack as you can because, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is kind of a, a week where I think you can kind of mold some people in and, and start getting some things going. And I, I think it's actually a pretty good game to have if, if you're introducing three new players within, you know, the, the last week and a half into a system because you are still playing an NFL offense. But, mm-hmm. you know, let's be honest, like this this isn't this isn't the hardest matchup you're gonna have to face. <laughs> um so yeah, I think this is it's a good matchup for the Eagles in the sense I think it's it's gonna be a good tune up for them. And again, you, you get to three and two and all of a sudden you know, you're right back in things, and mm-hmm. um, you know you see where it goes from there, and, and put yourself back good position in the division and a, a good position in the conference as a whole. Exactly, is, and this is your only home game of the month of October yeah. too. You have three straight road games after this against the Vikings, Cowboys, and Bills, which yeah, are thanks, three thanks tough teams. Um, so I mean, you have to go into the and you know I was uh, I was listening to WIP last night, 
and uh, Joe Giglio brought up a good point. The last time the Eagles really had one of those, like, runaway games where they were just pounding on points and, like, it was just, you know, kind of a cruise game was last year Thursday night at the Meadowlands against the Giants. Mm -hmm. That's the last time we've really seen this team, like, dominate, full-blown, not have to, like, worry about scoring in the fourth quarter. And everyone thought that was going to be a turning point of the season, too, and it, it really wasn't. And then it kind of just fell apart yeah. a little bit. And then you have to go back to 2017 where it was just consistent, where you had that Broncos game, you had the 49ers, the Bears, when you're doing the electric slide on the field. Like, yeah. that's the last time we've seen this team really be in the driver's seat full-blown when it comes to just pouring on points. And you want to start seeing that more and more with this team because they have the talent to do it on offense, and you saw – what could happen with this offense on Thursday night when you have that one-two punch of a running game and then you incorporate the pass when needed. Like, Carson Wentz didn't have to do everything. So if you can, like, have multi-faceted parts of your offense, you can do a lot of things with the weapons that Carson Wentz has around him. And that's kind of what we expected this season. That mm -hmm. was a really balanced attack because, you know, you... Bring in Jordan Howard, which at the time was going to be our, our running back one, and I think we were all pretty excited. And mm -hmm. that that was a great game from him against Green Bay that I don't think anyone saw coming yeah. because every other week it's been, and I don't even you know if it's necessarily his fault. I think it's some of the game plan at times he hasn't been, you know, all that electric. And Miles Sanders, you've seen like flashes of, and you know he's a rookie, so mm -hmm. you're not expecting the kind of consistency that you would get from a veteran player. But you've you've seen the flashes of why everyone is very excited and high on him, which is which is great. And yeah, I think you know, unfortunately Deshaun has been hurt since week one. You haven't really been able to see him in like full action just yet. But yeah, we expected a really balanced attack that the Eagles haven't had, you know, really at all. You know, it's sort of been one or the other, really. And even the running back situation since Wentz has been here has not been uh, ideal mm -hmm. to say the least. So yeah, I think. Green Bay was a little bit of, of what we kind of hoped to see this year. And now, you know, with a lot of those, like, skill positions getting healthier, that's that's going to be good. Alshon, I think, was still dealing with quite a bit of rust. So now you get him, you know, hopefully fully healthy, ready to go, and that's that's going to be big. He's, I, I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Mm -hmm. I think he's he's fantastic. So, And that Green Bay game just showed how important he is mm -hmm. just being on the field. Like, his presence alone, I think, opened up that running game. Sure, he didn't have the yards and he didn't catch as many of the targets that we would have wanted him to, but him getting nine targets alone opened up so much for guys like Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and allowed the running game to function the way that it did. Yeah, I think he's a, you know, when he's not even playing well, he's still a great decoy, and that's mm -hmm. the sign, I think, of, of a, a great wide receiver. Um, he's someone that, even if they're not having the best day, open up lanes for everyone else, and yeah, that's, that's exciting, and like we said, you know, the Eagles have tons of weapons, and uh, Zach Ertz, one of the top five tight ends in the league. So, you know, when you can get him more involved in the game, you know, you don't have to lean on Alshon. That's great. But, yeah, I, I think I, I, I'm just hoping that everyone stays healthy, right? Like at this point in the season, you've you've dealt with so many injuries as it is that you just kind of want to get through each week mm -hmm. without anything major and obviously get the win. And that's that's like the biggest biggest goal from tomorrow, I think, is obviously win, but you know, hopefully we don't have to deal with any more uh, any more injuries. Will Zacher score his first touchdown of 2019 tomorrow? Because it's crazy to think that through four games, especially after the year he had last year, yeah. production-wise, Zacher has still not scored a touchdown. It's tough. To, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. He, he was close. He was close yeah. to the Green Bay. Um yeah, I feel like did, he's has he really even been targeted in the red zone all that much? I can't I can't think of too many instances yeah. where he's been even really like the the go-to guy and um yeah, I think he's he's sort of become almost the and I think it was a lot of this last year as well like the the safety net where you know the reason he was so good last year because he just catching just mm -hmm. so like he was a great like third down tight end like he was someone that you trust a lot to just catch the ball and you know was able to, to find himself in like open space pretty often but yeah I feel like this year we haven't really seen him be the target all that much in like those those big situations and I think it's because week one too you know you had really just two absolute like deep bombs to Deshaun mm -hmm. and you know, we've seen some Jeffrey work we've seen you know, Jordan Howard you know go off against Green Bay yeah I think he's he's fallen off I think on like that that red zone target list but I still think he's as reliable as it gets, you know, yeah. and, and our third down efficiency this year has been fantastic. So I think Ertz is, is one of the reasons why. Uh, yeah, so this year, so far, 
Zach Ertz seven targets in week one, which makes sense because, you know, they were down 17 nothing at halftime and then had to play catch-up. Week two, when everybody just died, 16 targets, caught 50% of them um, with eight receptions for 72 yards. Seven targets in week three against the Lions, which was kind of just a back-and-forth game. And then uh, Thursday night last week against the Packers, seven receptions on eight targets. So you saw Zach Ertz get a little bit more involved last week. Uh, in the offense, which I think was, you know, good to see. And, you know, Carson has that rapport with Zach Ertz that we saw last year where he was his number one most trusted target. Um, So I expect more Zach Ertz uh, in this game, especially since Deshaun won't be there and a Jets defense that's lacking a lot of, you know, some of their playmakers, especially C.J. Mosley, who was one of their big free agent signings this offseason, which I think is also going to help the run game. Um, because he won't be there to, you know, stuff up the middle with their defensive line. Uh, so I do expect to see maybe not a repeat performance of Thursday night, but still some consistency of what we saw between Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders uh, going into this Jets game with a team that's, you know, still pretty banged up. Um, and I expect our defense to be able to take advantage of that offensive line that, one, isn't good, and, two, has a lot of injuries. Yeah, I mean, you're also going to be going up against a uh... Not a great quarterback. Exactly. Um, someone that you expect that under pressure will make the, the wrong decision. So, yeah, I, I think it's got to be a win tomorrow. And, and like I keep saying, I think it's crucial because you, you look at just the rest of the conference and how hard it's going to be and how home home field advantage could be really, really important come playoff time. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be big tomorrow. And, you know, you look at – Seahawks four and one right now. 49ers are still three and zero. They had the their early buys. So everyone's kind of forgotten that the 49ers, the last undefeated team in the NFC, feels a little bit like fool's gold. But you you have to respect it. See what you did there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, Cowboys Cowboys play the Packers tomorrow as well. That's going to be which an interesting be, game. You know, I'm sure there won't be any comparisons drawn between the Cowboys' performance against the Packers and our performance against the Packers. Bears um, are three and one. Yeah, Bears, I don't trust at all. No, I, you know, I, I, no, <laughs> especially if Charlie Daniel is going to be their <laughs> their quarterback coming yeah. forward. I, no thanks. I'm, I'm out. Uh, the, the, you don't want to play that defense, obviously. No, but the Bears are similar to the Vikings in that, like. If you go down 10 to either of those teams, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. But similarly, if you go up 10 against those teams, I don't know how you lose. Yeah. I Like, I genuinely don't. The Green Bay did the same, did that exact thing to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. They absolutely torched them 21 nothing, and the Vikings just were never able to get back in the game. They were close. close. You know, it ended up, ended up being closer than maybe it should have, but... When Kirk Cousins is your quarterback and Stephon... That team is in turmoil. It is, and, and Stephon Diggs is, you know... Not showing up for practice. He's taking weird shots in the press, and um, I I don't know. As someone who also owns Stephon Diggs, <laughs> it would be nice if he got a little more a little more action. That'd be great. But, yeah, I think... Even the Saints are 3-1 and one with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, Saints, and everyone keeps forgetting that Drew Brees is going to be back this season. Mm-hmm. I feel like because him and Roethlisberger got hurt in the same week. Yes. And Roethlisberger's out for the season. Everyone is also thinking that Brees is done for the year. Where Brees is supposed to be back by, like, week 10, week 11. Yeah. Like, if the Saints get to there and they're, like, you know, 7-3, and three, which is not impossible, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's a still a really good team. Panthers so, aren't very good, but they're 2-2. Two and two. The whole NFC South is just a uh, an you enigma. Need, you need the Falcons to keep losing, though, yeah. because the Eagles, unfortunately, lost that game. The Buccaneers beat the Rams yeah. um, in a shootout. So, I mean, like, all over the place. The Buccaneers, that was, like... The, one of like three just outstanding Buccaneers mm-hmm. performances that they have every season. The Lions almost took down the Chiefs. Yeah, which I mean, you know, props to you the have to way give that they to them. were. I mean, I think they're a pretty legit team. Like a lot of people were like, oh, "Are they pretenders?" I think they have the makings of making some noise in that division. I don't know that I trust Matt Patricia though. The only reason I would say it is because if Trubisky is out, and not that he's good, but he is their starting quarterback. So if the Bears are throwing Chase Daniel out there. I think the Lions have a, a chance because I think Matthew Stafford is still a very good quarterback. Is Chase Daniel any worse than Trubisky? I think he might actually I think be, he better. Might be better. I think the only thing that throws you know, quarterback injuries off is when it happens mid-game because mm-hmm. you don't really have the planning that you do. Um, it's kind of like the Jacoby Brissett thing where yeah. it's like if Andrew Luck had got had like retired, let's say, right, like three weeks in the season mm-hmm. or had gotten hurt three weeks in the season and you throw Jacoby Brissett in there like in the middle of a game, you get a little worried. But he had almost like a full month yeah. of, you know, being the number one quarterback. And I think you've seen him play pretty well mm-hmm. so far this year. 
I, I think that, um, yeah, I think the whole NFC is in a really tough spot. And no one's really pulling away just yet. I think the Seahawks, obviously, big win on mm-hmm. Thursday, especially for their division, which is going to be potentially very tight. But no one's, it's, it's a middle of the pack race right now. And Eagles need to establish themselves because, you know, you, you got to beat the teams that you should beat. A- absolutely. And I, I think already this year you have two kind of stinky losses that you're looking at mm-hmm. between the Falcons and the Lions, two games you probably should have had. But, you know, you say that every year. Oh, we should add this game, that one, whatever. But, you know, keep winning. That's that's the goal. And Especially with two big conference games and yeah. one being in the division coming up on the road. Get this win at home and then go on the road and hopefully win two out of the three. Um, and let those be the ones that are in conference. Beat the Vikings because they don't look very good. Uh, and then just go give the Cowboys hell in Jerry World. And then you finish it out at Buffalo. Which I mean, not a great place. Not a great place to finish out a three-game road trip. But I mean, 2017, we also saw the Eagles go on three straight road games and win all three. So I mean, it's it's possible. Um, but you, I think, to really establish themselves, they've got to win tomorrow, obviously, and then they got to go win those two NFC games. Absolutely, yeah. I think the Cowboys game is going to be not only one of the the crucial games of the season, but I think a great litmus test for this team as well because. Hopefully by then, probably have everyone back healthy, at least on the offensive mm-hmm. side. You know, defensively, we'll we'll check in on that. Um, but that's that's going to be, you know, it's kind of early to say it, but that that might just be the division decider right there because just I, I think they're they're clearly the two best teams in in the in the East. Like I I don't Giants, I'm not not sold by no. at all. Um, Although Saquon Barkley is like back, I, I know he's ruled out already. I think for this week, yeah. right? But you know he could a be back. Human. He could be back next week, and it's like nothing's changed. But yeah, I, th- I think I, those two games against the Cowboys this year are likely to be the division deciders, mm-hmm. just just based off where we're at. So losing an early season one, I think, would not be uh, not Thank be you. fortuitous for us for the future. Yes, but um, especially when you consider too like. You know, the next time we play them is late in the season, yeah. and like that, that you don't you don't want that to be the game, right? Like, right. You you, you want to give yourself some breathing room throughout the year, and you don't really like. I just don't think, even though it's at home, like mm-hmm. you just you just don't want that to be the decider, especially because you're playing four of your six divisional yeah. games. In and the division last games already are just so weird. Like yeah. anything can happen in them. It just feels like you could you could lose to anyone in your division at mm-hmm. any point. So. Um, just like the Phillies did to the Marlins. But you know what's going to change? Chris Young is oh out as Phillies pitching coach. Not like I've been preaching that since uh, April 10th when I said, are we sure Chris Young's not the issue for the Phillies pitching? And uh, I don't know how I missed it when it was released because not that I call for anybody to lose their job um, because obviously that sucks, but Chris Young stinks. And he's gone. He will not return as the Phillies pitching coach next season, according to Todd Zalecki. Um they said it's unclear if he'll remain with the organization, but a source said he's been offered an opportunity to remain. Other coaches on uh, Gabe Kapler's staff have been told they will return in 2020, but it's unclear who and how many. One source said the Phillies will not make a decision about Gabe Kapler's future with the team until next week, <laughs> as we are recording this on Saturday. Uh, which, I mean, me personally, I think the Phillies, the more and more I think about it, they're waiting for the Tampa Bay Rays to lose because... Kyle Bloom is in the Rays front office, and he was one of the finalists to be the Phillies GM back in 2015 with Matt Klentak, and I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he is currently the one of the front office guys for the Oakland Athletics. So you think about those two teams, both 90-win seasons this year, both in the playoffs. Sure, the Athletics didn't win the wild card game, but they made it. And then we got Matt Klentak. Um, so... The Mets also recently fired Mickey Callaway, so they get a jump start. The Phillies are the only team left that have a, a question about the manager that have not made a decision. Which is great, great position to find yourself in. So, I think it's always better to be a week behind everyone. That's <laughs> And then, you know, Chris Young, we, we talked about this. He was trying to fit a, a round peg into a square hole, and it just didn't work. And we saw it most notably with Zach Eflin. You know, he was... You know, pitching the way he's accustomed to pitching early in the season, and he looked pretty good. Like, we were like, all right, Zach Eflin. Like, there was talk that Zach Eflin could be an all-star early in the season. And then Chris Young, you know, got a hold of him, 
started making him pitch to his style, and Zach Eflin absolutely stunk. And then Zach Eflin, towards the end of the season, got away from it, and then we started seeing, you know, a better pitcher and who was going deeper into games and was, you know, finding his spots far better than he was during the middle of the season. So Chris Young being gone, thank goodness, because, you know, every single pitcher on this Phillies roster this year regressed in some way or form. And it just sucks because they could have let Chris Young go to Atlanta and be their pitching coach, but they were like, no, 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 we can't lose this guy. So they let Rick Kranitz go, and you look what the Braves pitching is doing right now in the playoffs. They signed Dallas Keuchel. Mike Soroka is a Cy Young Award finalist. Mike Fultonavich had a a game of his life yesterday in Game 2 of the NLDS. And Rick Kranitz is their pitching coach. It hurts to like look at other teams playing playoff baseball. <laughs> it hurts so much. Um, I have a lot of like friends who are Yankee fans as well. Mm-hmm. Like just seeing him at the game, especially last night, like hurts. Hurts deep. Yeah, the the whole Kranitz Young thing was just what a mess. That's where like, we should have got a red flag from. Like, I'm not even sure what the thought process was. Like, if you want Young, in like, okay, so. I see that there's a case for Young because I think in baseball especially, anytime you can get that little advantage, mm-hmm. anytime you can find that that little sharp point that, that no one else is doing, that's key. And he's he's come from an organization that has done that. Yes. You know, like it's not like you know, he it's not like he came from like the Marlins or something. Like right. he, so I get wanting him, I get trusting him, and I get wanting to involve him more. I just think removing Kranit to was kind of a mainstay with this team, had a great relationship, as we understand it, with all the players. Like, what I, what was what was the thought process there? Like, I feel like there's other roles you could have given Chris Young that didn't mean that you had to remove Kranitz. Right. You know, like, I, I, I and that's what we're going to see with Chris Young likely this upcoming year is him in some other sort of advisory front office role where he kind of has this nebulous thing where he can just kind of pop in and do whatever, I guess. But... Why wasn't that throw him, last... the, throw him into the boardroom with Pete McCann? And... But but why wasn't that done last year? Exactly. You know, like it, it felt like change almost to make change, like change just for the sake of doing it. Not it's poor decision making. Yeah, which I mean we've seen kind of repeatedly now <laughs> with the Phillies, which which makes me nervous about contact because I feel like everything we've heard is well they're not deciding on Kapler until next week. Who's who knows what happened with Kapler? Kapler. Okay. Uh, <laughs> They're making more decisions than just Kapler. Like. Yeah, like, okay, well, again, what about Matt Klintak? Because I, I think that is the, the bigger elephant in the mm-hmm. room, you know, and I'm getting a little worried that I haven't seen his name in anything, in any kind of rumor, in any kind of, well, the Phillies are looking at other teams, you know, I, f- I feel like. Gabe Kapler's been reporting to Citizens Bank Park this week, working like usual. Like, I mean, you'd expect that, though. Like, Absolutely, yeah. but, you know, when you have this decision kind of looming and you're just letting Gabe kind of show up to work like nothing's going on, that's got to suck for him too. And sure, like, we have our, our opinions on Gabe and everything, but just from the, the human element standpoint, yeah, yeah, totally. You, you're kind of just making him have this, like, black cloud loom over him for much longer than you probably should have. And it's just, it continues to be a bad look on the organization and something has to be done soon because, you know, with Clentac too, Everybody was thrilled about Bryce Harper and JT and everything. Any GM with a brain could have signed Bryce Harper to $330 million contract. Anybody... Well, someone with more of a brain might have signed him for less. That's true. <laughs> uh, I think any, the Shakira trade GM, was good. And, you know, there's I think even, some of the, the mid-season trades were good as well. I think know, Jay Bruce was a... That was a, that was a sure. good trade. I think, and I mean... I, you know, Clintac <coughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah. But I do think he has made some good moves i i don't know that we should say not that you're saying this but like i feel like there is some revision already with clintac that he was like terrible at everything which i disagree with i think he was terrible at assessing risk Mm -hmm. i i I think that's one of his bigger weaknesses is like he looked at this pitching and thought that okay with chris young coming in and we kind of had some data from last year that our pitching was actually very good, that you know we're like a top 10 pitching unit with young guys. We should improve, and now we're making this adjustment with Chris Young. We're, we're going to be top five. I like that seemed, it, was a, it was a gamble doing that, you know, moving away from Kranitz into this new system. And I, I feel like that's something probably shouldn't have done. I think it was also a gamble not addressing. And we don't know how much of that was actually Klintak's decision either. 
that's that's another big thing to remember, you know, especially with the Dallas Keuchel thing. How much of like John Middleton saying mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I'll pay the tax, but not this year. How, like, did that really limit? And that could also limit any trades made at the deadline as well. Like, you, you have to think broader context here sometimes when you talk about like what the GM can or can't do. Like, they still have to answer to someone. They don't have complete autonomy. Um, even the best GMs don't. Like, they, they still have to answer the owner. And if you're a great GM, the owner is probably just gonna let you do whatever you yeah. want, right? And if, and if they're a great owner, they'll they'll give you that leash. But you know, we are we sure that even John Middleton's a good that's owner? A like, question I, that's you know, come up this week too. It's <laughs> like, like, you know, there's. There's reports that John Middleton has, again, been looking at social media to see the fan base and what they want. And if you are turning to Twitter and social media uh, again, because we know he did with that poll that Todd Zalecki put out about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado in the offseason. If you're gauging your decisions based off of what your quote-unquote customers want as like your end-all be-all, that's a problem. Because yeah. as an owner of a multi-billion dollar organization, you should be able to make decisions for yourself. You are the face of this ownership group. You need to be able to assert yourself and say, okay, this is the plan, this is what we're doing, and it's on my watch. Like You go into radio stations you know, at WIP saying you want to bring that effing trophy back to Philadelphia, well then prove it. Yeah. Don't rely on the opinions of others that have no you know overall say in what the organization does when it comes down to it for what decision you're going to make that concerns me a lot yeah i I, especially with this delay on the the Mm capper thing feels like sort of middleton's decision don't know that for sure of course but it's that's certainly what it seems like i would you rather have had machado or harper this year I, I think Harper was still the the better decision. Yeah. So fans fans did get that right. They got that right. <laughs> I would rather had both. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. You know, I just think I like Clintac is like I I feel good. I don't I don't feel good about mm-hmm. it, right? But like I feel like we have enough on him to say, yeah, this is not right. working. We've had four years of Matt Clintac to figure out whether it's you know through free agency trades, him putting a scouting department together multiple, for drafts. multiple stages of the organization. Right. Well, he's been here for the rebuild. He's been here for a retool, and he's built been here for a quote unquote competitive year. Mm-hmm. And he's failed each of those years to really in all facets. Like you look yeah. at the draft. What have the Phillies done to bolster this prospect system that is arguably one of the worst in baseball right now because of the decisions they made in the draft? The decisions they've made with international scouting and Granted, trading. Johnny Almarez is gone now, so yeah. that's another huge decision looming: is them hiring a new director of scouting. Um, you look at just free agents. Sure, Bryce Harper was here. You brought him in, Andrew McCutcheon. You couldn't, you know, predict that he was going to get hurt. But you look at some of the the free agent, you know, bullpen signings. Pat Neshek, an older aging veteran, couldn't stay healthy. Tommy Hunter, an older aging veteran. Juan Nicasio, you traded for from the Gene Segura trade. You you paid him $9 million this year. Uh, Johnny Heller, friend of the show, tweeted that the Phillies uh, paid Jake Arrieta 65, or it was uh, Jake Arrieta, Juan Nicasio, Tommy Hunter, David Robertson, and Pat Neshek a combined $65 million. The Rays' entire roster, they paid them $63 million. Yep. And look where the Rays are right now. They're in the ALDS. In a much harder division right. and, uh, and league. So, I Look, I, you know, th- but th- this is what worries me is that we're having this conversation, and it feels like we have this conversation a lot, and nothing's changing, mm-hmm. and nothing seems like it's going to change. Like, it's not even, like, on the horizon. Yeah. With Kapler, it feels like there's a, a decision there, and, and he could be gone. With Klentak... I, I don't see anything changing. Yeah. I really don't because they, there's no rumors. There's no like, I I, I don't know where 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 we lie here, and I I don't think he's good. I I just don't no. think he's good. And you know maybe I I will say the one thing though that like about Klentak moving forward if we do have him is you know what you kind of give him credit for last year with like signing Bryce Harper, like trading for Segura, all that. Would we'd be in a similar position this year where it's like, I do feel like throwing the money at the problem would solve at least some of the mm-hmm. issues. Um, as far as the overall health of the organization, I'd still be concerned, but I feel like we'd at least get guys that can improve this yeah. team, um, which isn't very difficult. Right. I feel like 
the, I, the holes. I feel are like glaring. you could go to Twitter poll here for like who we should get, and yes. you'd probably be you'd probably nail it again. But I, I do worry about. I, I worry a lot about the Phillies culture. I worry mm-hmm. a lot about the decisions behind the scenes because I don't think we're being very smart. I, I don't think we're I don't think we're hitting that sharp line. I don't think we're getting any kind of advantage. And I don't think we're building a structure that feels like a long term successful thing building towards something. And that worries me a lot. And I I, I just feel like you you're giving the keys to Clentac again. Why? Yeah. I, why? What like He's he's done some good things that are heavily outweighed by bad, and not even just like, well, at the time, well, it, no. <laughs> and along with Andy McPhail, who said, "If we don't, we don't." When you spent over half a billion dollars in free agency, and that's your mindset about the playoffs. You know, if we don't, we don't. That's gonna be that's the title of the Phillies' twenty nineteen yearbook. If we don't, we don't. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's cool. That mindset infuriates me as a fan, as somebody who talks about this team on a on a daily basis whether it's on social media or this podcast like, or they had to watch five years of terrible right. baseball <laughs> like if we don't we don't when you went and signed one of the most marquee names in the sport you traded for the best catcher in baseball like that drives me insane and Andy McPhail needs to go Klentak I agree has to go and then the flip side with Gabe Kapler that I've also seen is they're waiting because if they do retain him, they don't want to go into next year with him as a lame duck manager, and they're potentially working on an extension for him. I think that's less likely, but it is something to think about where you don't want to have Kapler go into next year, you know, looming this decision again for 162 games, hopefully more. Um, so there's also that side of it where they could be potentially working on an extension with Gabe Kapler. Yuck. <laughs> Yuck! I I don't like that. <laughs> I mean, I get I get from the uh, perspective of mm-hmm. yeah, giving him a whole season again, where any time this team has a bad loss or a bad stretch, it's going to be well, he's done at the end of the season, or we should just fire him now. Like those kind of talks, I I get that, but they wouldn't go away. I think it might actually be worse if you extend him and you go on those bad runs. Yeah. It's like why the hell did we give him an extension? Right. Like you know, like he, sort of in a damned if you do, damned mm-hmm. if you don't situation. I think with Kapler if you keep him for this season on extending him or not, because right. I I don't know. I, I don't know which way you go with that. I actually think not extending him might be better. Like, maybe, mm-hmm. he, maybe he needs the hot seat. I don't know. Like, he didn't respond well to it the second half of the season yeah. when the seat started getting a little warmer. Um, but, like, maybe he needs that. Like, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he needs the pressure. Maybe the team will play better. Who knows? Like, you could... I just want this team to be good. I, <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really care how it happens. I, I just want this team to be good. So, what it, whatever gets us to that that station right. is is what I want, and I, I think we're on that train without Clentac. <laughs> now you brought up culture too, Matt, and uh, we talked about on Wednesday Jake Arrieta's oh comments Jesus. about Carlos Santana. Well, Carlos Santana had some words about Jake Arrieta's comments, and uh, the other night he put out a little uh, like notes. Anytime it's from the notes, <laughs> you know, you know, there's a lot of thinking and some editing. So, former Phillies first baseman Carlos Santana tweeted, It's not my style to focus on the past or call out teammates, but I saw Jake's comments and want to address it. You can ask any teammate I've, all caps, ever played with, I take my job seriously. So if Jake isn't doing the best thing for the team or setting a bad example for the young guys, I'm not going to sit back and support it. Maybe he didn't agree with that. Dot, 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 dot. Actions speak louder than words. I, all caps, loved my time in Philly and wish them the best. Here's the zinger. Turn the page, Poppy. Ultimate clapback. I actually think Carlos Santana's, like, dead on here, though. Yeah. You, like, I'm sorry. I'm, like, out on Jake Arrieta. Same. Completely. And we banged on the table for him to get signed here. He has been a disaster. Dude, he, like, just sucks. Like he, he's, he's like, terrible on he's the not, field. He's not good, and he's just seems he, he see. I feel like he was the one buying V bucks for all the players last year. So that, <laughs> like I think that's that's where we're at now. Like, can you can you honestly tell me? And, and of course we don't know for sure. I don't know that I bet on Jake Arrieta being like this great mentor no. for like young pitch. Like seems very. He just seems like a grouch. Yeah. Seems like his entire tenure here has just been he's him very being very egotistical. Like. 
You saw him in the dugout, post-trade deadline. The only person he hung around with was Jason Vargas. So it doesn't seem like two, he wants to be around the young two guys. Two get-off-my-lawn candidates right there. Yeah, like... I, yeah, like, I... And you're going to be you paying... and Carlos Santana. <laughs> that would have been, that been. Incredible. Uh, and, like, you're going to be paying Jake Arrieta $20 million next year. Nobody's going to take that contract. So he's going to be here. But he just seems like another part of the problem is Jake Arrieta's, like, clubhouse demeanor. Like, he seems like a shitty clubhouse guy. Yeah, he does. I I don't I don't know that he's great for the uh, for the culture, <laughs> and that's... especially with so many young guys on this team. Like you know, how is he influencing some of these young pitchers? Yeah, you look at Nick Pavetta. He can't get right mentally. And, and much... Pavetta's been a little even too like rebellious, you would yeah. say, to like some of the ideas, and you almost wonder if he's emboldened by Arietta's kind mm-hmm. of. Uh kind of just swagger that he has and undeserved swagger because it's not like Arietta like listen you put up with that kind of ego and that kind of stuff if you're pitching well you know like mm-hmm. but not Arietta's constantly calling out his teammates like yeah. we saw it two years ago with Scott Kingry in San Francisco we saw it in New York this year against the Mets when Bryce Harper got ejected mm-hmm. like who are you to to have that kind of you know voice when you're not performing the way you're getting paid to perform like I just I want him off this team, and I know it's not going to happen because nobody in their right mind is going to take that contract. But he's got to go. Yeah. Well, I don't know who's worse, him or Pat Neshek. Him, because at least Neshek doesn't seem to be like someone that uh, is like an outward like kind of bad like egg in the locker room. At least mm-hmm. Neshek seems like you know he's just kind of neutral there. Um, I feel like Neshek has at least had good moments for the Phillies, like. Arietta's never really had like great times here. Like he's been above average and now mostly average to below average. Like it's never really it's never really moved the needle here. I don't know. I like met a loss for words. Speaking of Pat Nishek too, uh earlier this week he favorited a tweet of uh just a fan. Oh, my favorite time of year. Just the who follows who, who likes what tweet did. But Instagram this one picture. this one is is actually kind of telling about Pat Neshek's viewpoint of oh, no. <laughs> Gabe Kaplan. So this this fan uh, at ClickClentac on Twitter tweeted, Phillies make the 2020 wildcard game. Nola walks the first batter. Kapler dials bullpen phone. Only like on the tweet is from Pat Neshek. Pat Neshek doesn't follow this kid, just randomly found it, I guess, and then he's the only like on the tweet. Phillies have a $7 million club option on Pat Neshek for tw- the 2020 season. What the hell? <laughs> that, in my opinion, like, takes me back to when Neshek couldn't get warmed up in the bullpen and then eventually went on the injured list with his hamstring issue. But Like, what... You see things like that, and it's just like, what the hell is happening? Mm-hmm. This is what I'm talking about when I say, like, I'm worried about the culture here and why, like, I yep. get really pissed off when people want to slam other managers, namely my man, Mr. Joe Madden, who's going to lead the Angels to a 100-win well, season bucket right now. He's also uh, potentially in the mix for the Padres. But it, it pisses me off when people use that kind of thing to, like, bludgeon not just Madden, but other managers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we have a worse situation oh, here. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, I... Can you name, like, a more, like, behind-the-scenes potentially dysfunctional locker room right now of, like, a team that's supposed to be competitive? I'm not talking of, like, a... Like, seriously, like... No. It seems like a lot of our team hates each other. Yeah. It's, like... And it, it feels like it's not just from, like, players. It feels like there's a genuine... Only other team... Fracture. Here. ...that I would say, and they're not supposed to be good, but they finished ahead of the Phillies, is the Mets. Yeah. And they made their managerial move. Well, allegedly, though, the Mets all love each other. And Except for Noah Syndergaard and Wilson Ramos. Apparently, well, apparently they all love each other. <laughs> apparently they, they, they're a great young team and they can't wait to be back next year. I think that was Syndergaard's tweet, was that they, they, they have young studs. The Mets also, somebody in the organization, consulted Mike Francesa on what they should do, and he said they should fire Mickey Callaway and bring in Joe Girardi. Next day, Mickey Callaway's gone. But like that, seeing that tweet because... It's telling, because who the hell is that kid, and Pat Neshek just randomly finds the tweet and likes it? It's weird, because, you know, like, 
to to get a tweet like that like for like random people to show up on your timeline it has to be something that mm-hmm. you engage like just the way social media works it has to be like a topic or that specific person even if you don't follow them like there's people that follow up on my that pop up on my timeline mm-hmm. because you see someone that you follow like their pictures yeah. a lot and if you like click on that then right. it starts giving you that more and more so it's either a topic that he engages with a lot on Twitter or that person or someone he follows follows them potentially mm-hmm. like who knows what the rabbit hole is there but it's not good no <laughs> like that is that is a terrible look in my opinion because not that we like Pat Nishek because he is a little scummy but for him to have that opinion on you know what's the current state in that Phillies dugout in terms of Gabe Kapler's decision making Gabe Cap you know because that has been Probably one of the top two or three topics about Gabe Kapler is his bullpen management has been absolutely piss poor. I think it's I, I think that's his biggest weakness. As an actual like mm-hmm. managerial skill, like a baseball tactic skill, I think that's his biggest Because we weakness. saw like Hector Neris took forever this year to get warmed up. Uh you know, guys were never getting warmed up on time, and Pat Nishek suffered an injury because of it. Now, was that the full reason he got injured? We don't know. But for Pat Nishek to take the Twitter where he normally just tweets about baseball cards. That's a little concerning to me and uh, has swayed the needle, in my opinion, of Gabe Kapler's probably going more than staying because, you know, the Phillies as an organization want to be able to market themselves to players and uh, they have a club option to make that decision on Nishek this year. So we'll see what they do with that. I doubt he's back for that price, but, you know, that's something that if Nishek hits free agency and he has, you know, guys around the league that he's close with that are thinking about signing with the Phillies, that's something he could go to and say, hey, like, he doesn't manage the bullpen well, you shouldn't sign there. And that's going to be a huge detriment to this Phillies team in the offseason if former players are going to, you know, pending free agents and saying, that's not the best situation to go to. I'm tired of talking about the Phillies. <laughs> they, they don't they don't deserve my attention and love. You know another team that deserves Check my, this out. my attention and love? <laughs> the Philadelphia Flyers. Check that out. All the way in Prague, baby. Undefeated on this season. Never lost in Europe. That is the American way. Um, wow. What a start. PK look good. I think the season should just end now. Power I think. play look good. Yeah, how about the Flyers the champs? How about a lockout? <laughs> just lock it out and end it as it is Flyers win 4-3 to three against the Blackhawks and uh, NBC Sports Chicago your tweet very stupid Gritty is clearly more superior to your mascot like what Gritty is probably the, the biggest mascot in like all of sports right now I can't, I yeah. can't think of anyone bigger we have two of the biggest mascots of all time if this is really like a Benny the Bull between Gritty that's that's Benny actually a, a little tough, bit of an argument That that's a tougher debate but Gritty's better I've never even heard of the Blackhawks mascot no no he's, irrelevant he's, he's he's pointless he's got 11,000 followers on Twitter Gritty's got like 200 almost 300,000 yeah come on do better um, Travis Konechny though good thing they signed him because yeah. two goals turns out he's pretty good made them look like absolute nerds and uh, he got the, the player of the game helmet which was very uh, chrome and shiny, looking towards a bright future, I'd say. Um, and uh, everybody in the locker room thanking Jake Voracek for his hospitality in his home country. And, uh, you know, I, I saw a funny tweet, too. I think it was from Jordan Hall from NBC Sports Philadelphia. He said, uh, no, actually it was Charlie O'Connor. He said, you wanted the Flyers to sign a sniper, but joke's on you, they already had one. And TK looked fantastic yesterday. And that's after missing training camp for, you know, a few days, you know, the whole off-season thing looming, and he gets his money, and he goes out and performs. And that's what you want to see from one of your young guys. And, you know, if he continues to play like that, Travis Konechny is going to be the breakout star on this team to put himself in that conversation with guys like Voracek and Giroux and Couturier as, you know, big-name pieces on this team. I, I, I'm just happy. Yeah. I'm just, I, like... There we go, baby. Um, we t- we talked to you know in the the Flyers season preview about mm-hmm. you could tell me any number of things about yep. this team, and that is still true. It's still true. Um, I just think like 
I, I do feel like starting the season with Carter Hart and like having him like a full like you know training camp and everything like with with the first team now and like what that can do for his confidence and like if if, if young players make the step up this year who knows right who knows and it it's way too optimistic of a thought <laughs> I'm like getting way ahead of myself but it's nice to have the Flyers win isn't that great. It's a great sound. It'd be it'd be awesome if we you know don't have a slow start this season, but it's it's they probably coming. Die. It's probably coming because we're we have a pretty brutal uh, trip coming yes. up. So, but you know what though, like getting a good win, you know, first game out, you know, builds you, confidence. You, exactly, you start to roll, and I think there's reason to be optimistic this year, just because there's been so much change. You know, it's it's sort of like what we're asking for with the Phillies, where it's like, okay, this team stalled, change mm-hmm. it, you know, and. Who knows? Who knows where it goes? But I'm. I was impressed by the penalty kill. Impressed mm-hmm. by the power play. Like the Flyer special teams was a huge like you know that stitch gif where he's like pulling his eyes down every single time. Like you didn't want to see it. Yesterday I thought they looked fantastic. You know they were able to kill penalties early on in the game. Sure there were still mistakes, and I think that's just you know a product of it being early in the season. Product of you playing in a foreign country. Um, I think we should play every game in the Czech Republic. Actually, let's do it. I think load up. Yeah, I think that's that's the move here. I think that's what we're missing out on. And uh, you know, I was thoroughly impressed. They were able to come away with that win, four to three, against the Blackhawks team that you know they should beat. And uh, now they move on. And I think this builds confidence for the the guys in that locker room. It it gives them more trust in Elaine Vigneault as the head coach for you know implementing the system that he has. And uh, hopefully, they just continue to roll. There's a a. a- Great quote that I heard because Liverpool, the soccer team I follow, mm-hmm. is um, they played early in the season. They had to go midweek to play very far away in Turkey and then return that weekend, uh, like three days later, to play a game in their domestic league. And one of the quotes about it, though, is, you know, when you go away and win that game, it was a sort of a cup final and you, know, you get a trophy at the end and all that. Um, that long flight is a lot better when you've Absolutely. won. Absolutely, I think the same is for the Flyers. You know, you have—I don't even know how long the flight is back. I'm—I'd assume they stop at one. Like, I'm sure it's not a, a direct flight necessarily. I don't even know if a direct flight goes that far, but it—that—that that flight feels a lot better when you've just won, uh, especially your, your opening game against pretty good Chicago team. Like, they're not about a ten-hour flight. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's to Philly, and I, I don't even know if they're going straight to right. Philly, right? Like, um, so who knows? Like, if it's going West Coast, you're talking twelve, thirteen. So, man, like that's 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 great. I, I think you know, chemistry and everything. I, I feel like that's a good feeling. Next so. game is at home. Yes, that's right. on Wednesday, and then it's uh, then it's West Coast. Yeah, so. ten hours on the plane when you you get to celebrate it a little bit. That feels good. So, uh, Flyers want to know. Just like we all predicted, hashtag optimistic October in full effect, and uh, we're gonna wrap things up with some Sixers talk because we've got a, a new twist on the roster, official height measurements of the team without sneakers. Hello. So, if we look at this right here, this was tweeted out by uh, Derek Bodner. Very different. Uh, you know, height adjustments for these guys without sneakers. Tallest member of the team, Christ Kamaje, as I will call him, because Christ doesn't it doesn't come off the tongue well. Without Our sneakers, Savior. seven foot three and a quarter. Jesus Lord. Our our Lord and Savior though, Joel Embiid, six foot eleven and three quarters without sneakers. A seven three. Agree. <laughs> uh, Al Horford. Coming in at a crisp six nine and a quarter, nice. nice. Along with uh, one Ben Simmons coming in at six nine and a half, very nice. Very nice. Uh, Marielle Shayok, six four and a half, a little small. It's so weird saying that's a little small, you know? I know. Just like six four, <laughs> it's still pretty damn tall. <laughs> uh, Josh Richardson six foot five, Zaire six foot three. Zaire's 6'3"? Man, <laughs> are we sure about this? I feel like with basketball heights, we never really know. Because yeah. you, you, we've had this before with like, oh, in and out of shoes, height ratings. I actually saw an inch. I didn't get to read it, but I, there was an interesting New York Times article about this actually where mm-hmm. uh, like people want it, like people want actual data on NBA players' heights 
because they're all over the place. Um, And, like, you see a lot of times people will, like, break down pictures of them in, like, street clothes and stuff or when they're, like, you know, walking into games or whatever and, like, next to other players and be like, you know, how is Anthony Davis, Mm -hmm. like, he's taller than he is. You know, like, you, you get this breakdown a lot, so... I, I don't know if I trust these numbers. Our guy, I don't know. friend of the show, Mike Scott, six did, seven. Did and Trump's a uh, doctor do these heights? Because <laughs> I don't know. Shortest member of the team, though, Trey Burke, comes not, in comes in at six foot and a quarter. Not totally surprising that he's the shortest. Followed by Howell Neto, six five or six foot and three quarters. I'm taller than Howell Neto. At least I have that over him. He's much more <laughs> handsome. Biggest surprise to me, I think, was uh, Norvell Pell. Six foot ten. Hmm. He, he's kind of a lanky guy, though. Jonah, kinda... Jonah Bolden clocks in at six eight and a quarter. That's weird, man. I feel like I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. And then the other big surprise to me is Furkan Korkmaz, six foot seven. Are they? No, this is not true. <laughs> this has to be wrong. I don't know about this. Who's doing? Who's doing these? Korkmaz only half an inch shorter than Tobias Harris. I just don't know if I buy that. Can we stand them back to back? Yeah, like I'm. Were they all on the same measurement scale here? Like Matisse Thybul, six foot five. That could be true. I heard he's dating Zendaya. By the way, I saw that. that. Is that real or I, is that like I heard it's it's true? Good I for don't him. Know, but if it is, what a beautiful couple. Sorry, Tom Holland. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> we'll get over it. Um, but yeah, I mean. Hey, I mean the Sixers. Matisse Thybul would actually make a great Spider-Man. He would like. He would he would fit into like into the Spider Verse. Like he could yes. like I could see him as like Miles Morales. Yeah, like he kind of actually a little bit similar actually. I don't Matisse know, like, Morales. Yeah, <laughs> we might have something going there. I don't know, but yeah, might have if, to, uh, if that is true, congratulations. What might, a beautiful couple. Might have to hit up our friends at Design he, Tree to make a shirt like that. He is like the. Uh, he is like. Enjoying life. I love him. <laughs> just walking around with his camera. Yeah, like he just seems so happy, which is great. I think him and Kylo Quinn are going to be like very good friends. Yeah, I think too. Like great addition to locker room as well. Mm-hmm. Even though he's he's a rookie, like that's it's good to have that kind of energy. You know, when it feels like maybe at times we haven't had we haven't had that like just really fun guy. You know, mm-hmm. like it seems like sometimes we've maybe been a little a little too serious. You know, which is good of course, but it seems like uh, as Brett Brown would say, you're good people. Which, yes. is, which is good to have. Now, the other bit of news with the Sixers is a lot of people in the locker room, around the team that have been covering it, have been impressed by one Zaire Smith's shooting. We need it. We've talked about this, that he could be that spark, baby. He's He is still an unknown in this league, and everyone sort of... You know, when you talk about this roster, sort of still discounts, and it's like, this dude, it's going to be pretty damn good. We need it. Remember when I was crying about Michael Richards? <laughs> I don't know. Everybody's upset about that trade. I don't know. Um, very excited. Yes. And, Zaire, uh, we stand. And then one other bit of uh, former Sixers news that we probably just didn't get to touch on was uh, Robert Covington with his, uh, I believe it was with The Athletic, came out and did that, that article and talked about how, you know, last year was – Pretty tough for him, mm-hmm. you know, mentally and uh, dealing with, you know, his mental health and stuff. Uh, kind of pushed his family away at a point just to kind of get right. But good to see uh, Robert Covington getting back on track because yeah. he's always going to be beloved here. So One of one of my favorite non-Sixers of all time at this point, which is sad to say because he's yes. also one of my favorite Sixers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but on, on the just Thibault and Zaire thing, I like – I am so ready to see them just absolutely rail second units this year. We are 18 days away. 18 days. We're like, whew. I'm getting hungry thinking about it. I know. <laughs> I'm salivating at the thought of like <laughs> how many times you're going to win. I shouldn't say this. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We'll have our predictions yeah. though, with uh, potentially some, some fun special guests. But uh, a little bit of other news, Underground Sports Philadelphia will be at the Mike Scott Hive tailgate. We were officially invited. Shout out to the Queen Bee, Zainab, for the invite. Uh, so we will be there on November 23rd, hanging out with everybody for the Mike Scott Hive tailgate and post-game party. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So catch us there. If you're going to be there, let us know. We'll hang out. We'll have fun. Put on temporary tattoos. And uh, still ain't no bitch. But uh, 
I think that's all we got for you guys. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Hopefully the Eagles pull out a, a big dub tomorrow that we can talk about on Wednesday night. And uh, we'll catch you guys then. So this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia episode number 173. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.